Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 68 through 79. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for she has looked favorably on her people and redeemed them. She has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of her servant David. As she spoke through the mouth of, his, of her holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus she has shown mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered her holy covenant the oath that she swore to our ancestor Abraham, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve her without fear, in holiness and righteousness before her all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare her ways, to give knowledge of salvation to her people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn will break from on high upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to give our feet, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Malachi chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. You have spoken harsh words against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said, it is vain to serve God. What do we profit by keeping his command or by going about as mourners before the Lord of hosts? Now we count the arrogant happy. Evildoers not only prosper, but when they put God to the test, they escape. Then those who revered the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord took note and listened, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who revered the Lord and and thought on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, my special possession on the day when I act, and I will spare them as parents spare their children who serve them. Then once more you shall see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. Philippians chapter 1, verses 18 through 26. What does it matter? Just this, that Christ is proclaimed in every way, whether out of false motives or true, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in any way, but that by my speaking with all boldness, Christ will be exalted now as always in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. I do not know which I prefer. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to, is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Since I am convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in faith, so that I may share abundantly in your boasting in Christ Jesus when I come to you again. Good morning and welcome to the first Friday of Advent. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Walkersville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Luke 1, Malachi 3, and Philippians 1. 
And uh, in this week of Advent, we are reading from the Gospel of Luke for our first reading instead of the psalm. And longtime listeners know uh, that every other day, which is basically Tuesday and Friday, I typically read the psalm using feminine pronouns if they are if they're there third person pronouns um and i <laughs> i started doing it uh this morning and then i i remembered that it's the gospel instead of the psalm but i decided to go ahead and go with it um uh because it is uh, kind of a psalm um it's not the magnificat oh now i don't remember what it's called magnificat is by mary and this one is Ooh, Zechariah's or Elizabeth's prayer, but it's 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 about John the Baptist. That's all I I know for sure. Um, but it is it's a song, um, just like the Magnificat is a song. There's a lot of songs that are not in the Psalms. In fact, the oldest part of the Bible, according to um, some scholars, many scholars, is a song of Deborah in Judges six, uh, sung by a woman about a victory brought about by a woman. Um, and in honoring God. In fact, the, the song of Deborah, like the Magnificat, calls this woman blessed among uh, people. Um, and the song of Deborah is thought to be an inspiration for the Magnificat. But um, <clears throat> the, uh, the song this time is, is not, I don't think it's on Mary's list, I think it's on Elizabeth or Zechariah. Um, but I decided to go ahead and continue reading using feminine gendered pronouns for God, um, not just because it's kind of this ritual that I do. And as I said, those who have been listening for a while know that it's it's just really um, intriguing to me. It opens up a new way of encountering the Bible when you think of God as not being, you know, the, the typical gender that you think of God as being. Um, I know many of us probably grew up thinking of God with, you know, like white robes and a big long white beard. And women uh, typically don't have facial hair. Sometimes they do, but um, not nearly as much as men do. Um, and the problem with that is that gender um, exists before, or I'm sorry, God exists before gender exists. In fact, God creates gender. In Genesis, uh, there. The word for man, ish, doesn't exist until after woman has appeared, isha. Through all of Genesis, the first three chapters, two chapters, um, the person, uh, which is probably the best translation for it, uh, is Adam, which is an abbreviated form of Aduma. And Aduma is a feminine noun that means earth or clay or dirt, also maybe dust. And when it becomes abbreviated, somehow magically it switches its gender, I guess. And Adam, um, a lot of English translators, uh, especially early English translators, just use that as the, the proper pronoun, the name. Adam became Adam. Um, but his, the, the person's name is not Adam, it's just the person. And when some English translations keep it as the man, it is this kind of old world reference to humanity, like all mankind, right? Uh, that's the sense in which Adam is being used. 
Um, and so there is no man until there is woman when um, uh, the Isha is made from the Isha's rib. Um, in fact, that's probably why linguistically it's, you know, the, the, the suffix at the end indicates that it derives from or comes from uh, the other, which is kind of funny because um, it's actually a chemical process in pregnancy that introduces the pro- the the uh, you know the reaction that creates male genitalia and male biological features. Anyway, um, and not only is uh, this a song, and I thought it was. Um, you know, just kind of, I think it fit. But also in this time of Advent, um, Advent is the time of anticipation. Um, in uh, around 5 BCE, when Jesus was born, um, the Jews uh, were focused in Jerusalem, but they were all over the Eastern Mediterranean. Um, King Herod, who was a half-Jew, an Idumean, uh, half-Idumean, half-Jew, um, was in control. Um, he was a client king of Rome, and there had been a number of incidences uh, as far back as like the 60s BCE uh, that, uh, in which Rome was really just kind of pissing off devout Jews. Um, and there was a very popular, there's a popular idea that there was this coming Messiah uh, who would right the wrongs, not just of the Romans, but of all all the world. Um, and uh, I, whenever I think of Advent, um, you know, Christians believe that Jesus rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father, but he's going to come again. And when I was a, a college professor for a little bit, uh, I was teaching at this um, private liberal arts school that used to be more religious than it was. Um, and one of the ways that was expressed is that they still um, re- had a requirement that everybody had to take an intro to religion course. And so the intro course was this you know, large, you know, Le- almost lecture course um, that you know the t- tenured faculty just got tired of teaching, and so I came in as an adjunct, and I taught something like four or five semesters of it for a year. Um, you know, two and two units, one semester, three another. And there was, it was, it's always so fascinating to come to to listen to what the Bible means from those who haven't kind of been drinking the Kool Aid. They don't know that there's, you know, a right answer and a right way to talk about God. They just come at the the text as a text, and that's the point of this class. The title of it was actually biblical literature. You're encountering the Bible literarily, um, not literally, literarily. <laughs> and so um, I can't remember what came up. I know it was in one of the essays I assigned, and the student who wasn't religious. Uh, wasn't a particularly good student. He's kind of probably didn't need to mention his gender, but he was he wasn't my favorite student, but not for the worst reasons. Just kind of he made things difficult. Um, 
and I think it was him that said it. Anyway, um, in one of these papers, he's, he was, you know, it was some essay question about um, Advent, which is coming, means coming. And in my class, I talked about, you know, Advent, you know, there's two Advents, really. There's the one that is described in the Gospels, and then this one that's described in Revelation. And he said, um, you know, if Jesus came once as a man, who's to say that the next time Jesus comes, it won't be a woman? I thought to myself, hmm, that's, that's a good question. Um, and it, so reading um, these gendered pronouns into and out of the text, um, you know, they, it assumes a, a certain set of questions and answers that the text doesn't necessarily hold. Um, we assume that Messiah, that king, that military leaders, they're men. I, I, I can probably guess why, but it, I think it's pretty clear that that is a very popular assumption. Um, and so, you know, when, when uh, at the time of Herod, um, when a lot of people, you know, knew of the Maccabees and their brief period of independence, they knew of um, Pompey's desecration of the temple um, and the unpopularity of, of the Roman system, they weren't just waiting for, you know, someone to come help them. They were waiting for a particular kind of person, a kind of person based on their assumptions and based on their expectations and based on their own culture. Um, and what they didn't anticipate was the kind of savior that God would provide. Um, and so this, you know, this simple, straightforward, innocent question, I think is one that we must wrestle with. What does it mean? Not just that God is coming and God will be with us, but what does God mean? What is God? Who is God? Um, I think certain elements of that are unanswerable. But I think a lot more of it is answerable than we are often willing to accept. One of the answers or one of the aspects of God that I think many Christians aren't willing to accept is the, the martial aspect of God, that God is a warrior. What does it mean that God does do violence um, and has commanded violence um, and yet subjected God's self to violence in order to save the world? What does that say? not just about God, but also about violence. Um, and so I think as we uh, spend Advent in anticipation, in hopeful um, anxiety for some, um, I hope we don't forget that God doesn't belong in the boxes that we create. Um, God, you know, there is no body um, that holds God that is adequate, that is sufficient. God was fully human, and that human form he took 2,000 years ago had male genitalia. Um, but in the womb, for many weeks, if not months, I'm not, I can't remember, that body was female. Uh, before whatever chemicals were introduced and genes were activated, um, that little fetus in Mary's womb um, shared the same genetic makeup uh, as her mother. 
um, and that it's no less accurate to refer to God as a woman than it is to refer to God as a man, at least God the, the Creator, the Father. Um, and I've said more about that in the past, but I, um, I won't go into more now, but I, I want to put that in our heads to think we can't anticipate the, the next coming of God. Um, and we should be prepared to be surprised in surprising ways about, you know, what God has in store um, for this final round that God has planned for, for humanity and for the world. A prayer for all sorts and conditions of people from the Book of Common Prayer. O oh God, the creator and preserver of all humanity, we humbly beseech you for all sorts and conditions of people, that you would be pleased to make your ways known to them, your saving health unto all nations. More especially we pray for the Holy Church Universal, that it may be so guided and governed by your good spirit, that all who profess and call themselves Christians may be led into the way of truth and hold the faith and unity of spirit in the bond of peace and in righteousness of life. Finally, we commend to your fatherly goodness all those who are in any ways afflicted or distressed in mind, body, or estate, that it may please you to comfort and relieve them according to their several necessities, giving them patience under their sufferings, and a, a happy issue out of all their afflictions. And this we beg for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with Pew Pew HQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, Always family. Semper Familia.